1: Welcome to episode 46 of Destination Disaster, I am your host, Devin Carney. This week, we are going to discuss the 1883 eruption of Krakatoa, one of the most violent volcanic explosions to be experienced in written recorded history. This eruption was so violent that the sound traveled 3,000 miles away till Mauritius and the acoustic pressure wave circled the earth three times. To begin, Krakatoa is an archipelago located in the Sunjo Strait, located between two of the most inhabited Indonesian islands of Java and Sumatra. This eruption didn't happen randomly with the volcano providing some of its natural warnings such as earthquakes and plumes of smoke venting very early on. In the years preceding the eruption, the area around Krakatoa was littered with incredibly seismic activity. In the years before the 1883 eruption, seismic activity around the volcano was intense, with earthquakes felt as far away as Australia. Beginning on May 20, 1883, steam venting began to occur regularly from Purple Watan, the northernmost of the island's three cones. Eruptions of ash reached an estimated altitude of 6 kilometers or 20,000 feet and explosions could be heard in New Batavia or Jakarta 160 kilometers or 100 miles away. To witness this immense power that the volcano possessed must have been fascinating to experience in person. This was the first time that the volcano erupted in over 200 years, which basically destroyed the island. As the eruption neared, the steam that had been since late May along with the smaller scale eruptions shifted. Eruptions at Krakatoa started again around the 16th of June with loud explosions and a thick black cloud covering the islands for five days. On June 24th, a prevailing east wind cleared the cloud and two ash columns could be seen issuing from Krakatoa. The seat of the eruption is believed to have been a new vent or vents that formed between Purbowatan and Danan. The violence of the ongoing eruptions caused tides in the vicinity to be unusually high and ships at anchor had to be moored with chains. Earthquakes were felt at Anyar, Bonten and ships began to report large pumice masses to the west in the Indian Ocean. Krakatoa simply wouldn't go dormant and would continue to grow in intensity, transitioning into the climactic phase. By early August of the same year, a Dutch topographical engineer by the name of Captain H. J. G. Furzener visited the island. His report detailed that the island that was once home to lush vegetation was now devoid and instead, showed a large layer of ash covering the ground that was over one foot thick. Following his visit to the island, further landings were too dangerous, and Furzenar advised against further activities. The volcano continued to erupt, with those explosions growing in intensity. By August 25th, the Krakatoa eruptions intensified. At about 1 p.m. on August 26th, the volcano went into its paroxysmal phase. By 2 p.m., a black cloud of ash could be seen 27 kilometers or 17 miles high. At this point the eruption was almost continuous, and explosions could be heard every 10 minutes or so. Ships within 20 kilometers or 12 miles of the volcano reported heavy ashfall, with pieces of hot pumice up to 10 centimeters or 4 inches in diameter landing on their decks. Between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m., a small tsunami hit the shores of Java and Sumatra 40 kilometers or 25 miles away. The next day, four large eruptions would emanate from the volcano, which would mark the peak of the Krakatoa eruption. These explosions would release energy equivalent to 200 megatons of TNT, or 840 petajoules. On August 27th, four enormous explosions occurred, which marked the climax of the eruption. At 5.30 a.m., the first explosion was at Protobo triggering a tsunami heading to Tilak Batong, now known as Bandar Lumpung. At 6.44 a.m., Krakatoa exploded again at Denan, with the resulting tsunami propagating eastward and westward. The third and largest explosion, at 10.02 AM, was so violent that it was heard 3,110 kilometers or 1,930 miles away in Perth, Western Australia, and the Indian Ocean island of Rodriguez, near Mauritius, 4,800 kilometers or 3,000 miles away. the blast was thought to have been cannon fire from a nearby ship. The third explosion has been reported as the loudest sound heard in history. The loudness of this blast, heard 160 kilometers or 100 miles away from the volcano, has been calculated to have been 180 decibels. Each explosion was accompanied by tsunamis estimated to have been over 30 meters or 98 feet high in places. A large area of the Sundra Strait places on the Sumatran coast were affected by pyroclastic flows from the volcano. And as I said earlier, this explosion has been estimated to be equal to about 200 megatons of TNT or 840 petajoules, roughly four times as powerful as the SAR bomb, the most powerful thermonuclear weapon ever detonated. At 1041 AM, a landslide tore off half of the Rakata volcano, along with the remainder of the island to the north of Rakata, causing the final explosion. Due to this eruption, Tsunamis sped across the ocean and affected countries as far away as South Africa, which is about 10,000 kilometers or 6,200 miles. The effects were near instantaneous, as on the island of Krakatoa, approximately 30% of the island remained. Pyroclastic flows, volcanic ash, and tsunamis rendered lands over 80 kilometers away uninhabitable, forcing it to revert to jungle. Following the eruption, Rajir Verbeek was a geologist and natural scientist, lived on the island of Java at the time of the eruption and led the investigation further bringing volcanology into scientific prominence. Verbeek and others believed that the final major Krakatoa eruption was a lateral blast or pyroclastic surge. Further effects of the eruption were felt well after the eruption of Krakatoa. Around noon on August 27th, a rain of hot ash fell around Katimbung, now Katibung, And Lampung Province and Sumatra. Approximately 1,000 people were killed in Sumatra, and there were no survivors from the 3,000 people on the island of Sebesi. There are numerous reports of groups of human skeletons floating across the Indian Ocean on rafts of volcanic pumice and washing up on the east coast of Africa up to one year after the eruption. Closer to the immediate blast range, it is believed that due to the four explosions, each of those eruptions took with it tons of pyroclastic material And once they collapsed back towards Earth, that material led to the tsunamis that were reported. The tsunamis which accompanied the eruption were believed to have been caused by gigantic pyroclastic flows entering the sea due to the gravitational collapse of the eruption columns. This caused several cubic kilometers of material to enter the sea, displacing an equal volume of seawater. The town of Merak was destroyed by a tsunami which was 46 meters high. Some of the pyroclastic flows reached the Sumatran coast, as much as 40 kilometers or 25 miles away, having apparently moved across the water on a cushion of superheated steam. There are also indications of submarine pyroclastic flows reaching 15 kilometers or 9.3 miles from the volcano. Smaller waves were recorded on tidal gauges as far away as the English Channel. These occurred too soon to be remnants of the initial tsunamis and may have actually been caused by concussive airwaves from this eruption. These airwaves circled the globe several times and were still detectable in barographs five days later. The meteorological effect of this eruption is something that fascinates me. It shows just how powerful and damaging volcanic eruptions can be and how we humans could suffer should an eruption like this occur in more modern times. Due to this eruption, it triggered a volcanic winter, leading to the cooling of the planet. Summertime temperatures in the northern hemisphere fell an average of 0.72 degrees Fahrenheit, And it is also believed that the record rainfall that fell in Southern California from July 1883 to June 1884 was a result of this eruption and the large amounts of material being released into the atmosphere. Between July 1883 and June 1884, Los Angeles received 970 millimeters or 38 inches and San Diego 660 millimeters or 26 inches, which has been attributed to the Krakatoa eruption. There was also no El Nino during this period, as is normal when heavy rain occurs in Southern California. Even though Krakatoa was incredibly violent and destructive, this eruption confirmed a lot of great scientific knowledge, such as the presence of the global jet stream, which was observed by weather watchers of the time as the tons of volcanic ash traveled the globe. We're going to take a quick break here, and after return, we'll discuss the further effects the eruption of Krakatoa had on the planet. Alright, you've made it this far into the show. You're obviously interested and enjoy the content. Why not take the next step and pick up some branded Destination Disaster merch? A portion of each purchase is donated to a charity of your choice. Buying merch doesn't benefit me personally as it will be reinvested into the show and allow for further upgrades in the future. If you're interested in purchasing, the link to the store is in the show notes below. Thanks. Do you enjoy the show? Do you have a topic that you would like featured? Well, now you can submit it directly to the show. If you have a topic that you would like me to cover in a future episode, please submit it to topics at gmail.com. If it is a smaller topic or simply a question you would like answered, submit it anyways, and I will cover it in the introduction to the episode. All right, now back to the show. Welcome back. Krakatoa was one of the worst eruptions in recorded history delivering a force equivalent to 200 megatons of TNT being released, and completely destroying the island in which Krakatoa was located. It is estimated that somewhere between 36,000 and 120,000 people lost their lives. Following the blast, bodies were found floating in the ocean months after the event that took place. So what would happen if Krakatoa were to erupt with the same force today? Well, the consequences would be far more devastating, to say the least. Should an eruption of this magnitude occur today, we'd be looking at deaths in the hundreds of thousands and damages in the tens of billions. I truly don't think we can even fathom the effects from this eruption because it would be world-altering and a -a once-in-a-lifetime event for all of us here on the planet. To start, disasters have long played a key role in the environment around us, altering weather patterns and causing further challenges well after the initial event has passed, such as greenhouse gases. Underwater and land-based volcanoes are estimated to release, in total, around 100 to 300 million tons of CO2 each year, according to the British Geological Survey and the U.S. Geological Survey. That's a large quantity, but only around 1% of the amount that humans release from burning fossil fuel alone. As a rule, the cooling influence of an individual volcano will dominate for the period immediately after the eruption, but the warming impact will last much longer so the significance of each depends on the time frame being considered. A very large volcano in 2011 may significantly reduce temperatures in 2012, but slightly warm them in 2100. Once the environment has been altered, damage to further systems such as the agricultural infrastructure can lead to even more detrimental effects, such as food shortages, water shortages, and reduced crop yields in the future. I fear that our agricultural infrastructure is so fragile and so complex The damage to this can significantly affect future yields, leading to potential shortages. According to the State of Food Security and Nutrition of the World, which was published mid-2021, estimated that between 720 and 811 million people went hungry in 2020. High costs and low affordability also means billions cannot eat healthily or nutritiously. High costs and low affordability also means billions cannot eat healthily or nutritiously. Considering the middle of the projected range, 768 million, 118 million more people were facing hunger in 2020 than in 2019, or as many as 161 million, considering the upper bound of the range. Now combine the complicating factor of a large-scale volcanic explosion, and we have the perfect storm, which could further damage crop yields and decrease livestock output. This is why we must develop those safety nets, such as finding alternate methods of farming which cannot be affected by volcanic eruptions and the effects following it. As we round out the episode for today, I wanted to provide you guys with some survival tips if you ever find yourself in the path of a volcanic eruption. If you are stuck inside, keep all doors and windows closed, and if you have an external HVAC system, ensure it is turned off to make sure you do not circulate ash through the system and into the home. Ensure that you have enough food and water to last for up to two weeks as is standard with any natural disaster. Be sure to keep your important documents safe and if necessary, make copies and keep them stored on a flash drive or hard drive that you can easily take with you in the event of an evacuation. During the eruption, remain indoors and downwind if at all possible. If you can, evacuate early and heed all warnings from the local emergency management agency. If you are advised to evacuate and must do so during the eruption, Be sure to cover all exposed skin and wear an N95 respirator to avoid inhaling the volcanic ash and dust. Volcanic ash simply isn't dirt and rock. It contains fine minerals such as glass that, if inhaled, can lead to severe damage to your respiratory tract. While the risk of everyone experiencing a volcanic eruption is relatively low, Those who live within proximity to one must know and have supplies prepared for the inevitability of an eruption. If you happen to know that more seismic activity is building, be sure to stay tuned to your local emergency management agency's Twitter or their Facebook or even the local news because they are tracking these events as well. I want to thank all of you for listening this week. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to leave a like and a rating. Also, be sure to follow the show on its social media platforms such as Instagram and Reddit. Until the next episode of Current Events, this has been Destination Disaster.